Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. You know, the tell is always the response. The tell to what happened, the explosive Spygate revelations that came out this weekend. Yesterday, we had some more. Um, the tell is always how the uh, Pravda, American Pravda media responds. Um, and you, can, you, need to, you need to know who to go to look for. There is some very specific uh, fake news specialists, Pravda specialists, activists on the left, the Philip Bumps, Charlie Savages, Natasha Bertrands of the world. You need to go to their response to see how panicked the left is. I'll get to that in a minute. Got a busy news day. Also, uh, the left's focus on debanking. Folks, be careful where you put your money. I've got some solutions for you towards that attack. With cyber attacks on the rise, protecting your data security is more important than ever. So why is Congress considering a law that puts your data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill shifts billions in consumer spending to less secure payment networks, all so that corporate megastores can make bigger profits. Don't let Durbin Marshall steal your data. Visit handsoffmyrewards.com security and tell your senators to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Paid for by Electronic Payments Coalition. All right, Joe, let's go, Daddy. Cowabunga! Uh, Joe is like a teenage what mutant the- <laughs> ninja turtle at us all. That, we may be aging ourselves <laughs> That's again. That's right. Now, warning, Joe. Sussman and his team, Michael Sussman, the Democrat lawyer uh, who uh, Durham put out that legal filing again, uh, about this week. We were talking about the Spygate case yesterday. Sussman's lawyers have responded, and folks, they're big mad. They have a serious case of the Sadaruskis. They've got the Sads. So just to be clear, Sussman's legal team, he, again, he's the DNC lawyer who was working for Hillary Clinton, right? And allegedly lied about it, told the FBI, no, no, I'm just here out of my goodwill. Sussman's legal team, it's kind of hilarious what happened. They went to Durham a while ago and were like, hey, man, you better show us your cards. You know, we better see what you got here. So Durham did that, in fact, and and showed him what he had in the legal filing we were talking about yesterday, where all that information about how they got the data from the DNS server, all that came out. And now they're upset. They're like, show us what you got. No, don't show us what you got. Hold on. Stop showing us what you have. Stop the showing. Stop this. We don't want any more showings. Show us what you got. But don't show us that. So hat tip Morgan Cleveland put this out on our social media feed. Sussman responded there, the DNC. Remember, Sussman is the DNC, uh, was the lawyer working for Hillary Clinton, alleged to have lied to the FBI about that relationship there, okay? So they put out this thing yesterday. Here's their response. I'll read a portion of it, and I'll tell you what's really going on afterwards. They say, unfortunately, special counsel has done more than simply file a document identifying potential conflicts of interest. We addressed that yesterday. Rather... Special counsel's made a filing in this case that unnecessarily includes prejudicial and false allegations. Ooh, that's a big charge. That are irrelevant to this motion and to the charge defense and are plainly intended to politicize this case, inflame media coverage, and taint the jury pool. Okay. Nice. Here's what's really going on here. So you got the lawyer alleged to have lied to the FBI, brings fake information to the FBI about this Alpha Bank story, right? according to the allegations, doesn't tell them he's working for Hillary Clinton. We find out in the legal filing from this weekend that Hillary Clinton's team uh, allegedly got the information from a tech executive who had a contract with the White House and then sent some of the information from the server on to Hillary Clinton, which, if true, is an enormous, enormous scandal, uh, a, a tidal wave of scandal coming ashore. So here's what's really going on here. Sussman's team is now terrified because if you notice in the filing, he says uh, intended to politicize the game, inflame media coverage. What he's saying here, number one, they can no longer control the media narrative, folks. 
The Democrats have had a monopoly on media coverage of scandals like Watergate, Iran-Contra, uh, anything that, you know, the, the, I mean, anything in a Republican administration, in a Republican administration they could use to do damage, they would make a scandal for decades, years, a millennia, eons, right? Now that the biggest political scandal in American history is going to be an Obama administration scandal and a Hillary Clinton scandal, they're terrified they can't control the narrative. They want to keep this out of the media, this story, as long as possible. So they called John Durham's bluff. They said, show us what you got. Durham showed you what they had, talking about this um, diverting information from this, uh, this DNS server over to the Clinton campaign, which would be an enormously impactful conspiracy, right? Now, why do they want to control the narrative now, now that Durham has showed the cards? And why do they want to make sure it doesn't get out in the public? Very simple. I'll move on here. Hillary wants to run again. There's no question Hillary wants to run again. The media people out there understand Hillary Clinton wants to run again. And if they can't keep this information out of the public eye long enough and it starts to impact a potential presidential run, she may have to bail before she even starts. That's what let me with every single thing the Democrats and their lawyers do. There's always a behind the scenes story. I'm glad to be out in front of it and here and tell you what really matters. Sussman's legal team is terrified because this stuff is really, really damaging. I sincerely doubt Durham would have put it in a legal filing if he didn't feel like he had this case down, locked up. Now, folks, this is not the end. This is just the beginning, the charges in the Durham case. I said to you yesterday, John Durham said that the Hillary Clinton campaign getting information from this DNS server at the White House and Trump Tower and the Trump residence, which is, again, it's such an enormous scandal. It's hard to believe I'm even saying this. It's not the end. The Durham filing is very specific that the DNS data, in other words, what the Trump, what Trump Tower, the Trump residence and the Trump White House, the websites they were looking at. That's not it. If you read the filing, Durham's filing clearly says that the DNS data is among the Internet data exploited among it. You think he wrote that by accident? There is clearly more, clearly more going on here. Margot Cleveland has a spectacular write up in The Federalist. I'd like you to read it. So my newsletter today, please subscribe. It's free. Bongino.com slash newsletter. Uh, she has this Federalist piece. And in the Federalist piece, she says she talks about eight more intrigues inside John Durham's latest special counsel findings. I'm not going to go through all of them because some of them I addressed yesterday. But she says beyond the blockbuster news from Friday's special counsel filing and the Spygate investigation, there were several in, uh, interesting points of note. One of them is what I hammered on yesterday. And this is important. It's a huge takeaway. If you think this is the end, this is the big, this is the end of the, this isn't even the end of the beginning. It's the beginning of the beginning. The media people trying to run cover and the Democrats are assuming that Friday's filing, I think, that that's the worst it's going to get. He says among the internet data they spied on from the Trump White House and Trump Tower and exploited, exploited is the word he used. Margot Cleveland says in this piece, quote, Given Friday's revelation that Jaffe, that's the tech executive who's alleged to have given this information about DNS data to the Clinton campaign. Given Friday's revelation that Jaffe was specifically targeting the executive office of the president during the Trump administration and mining Internet traffic, Jaffe's supposed observation of an OIG's computer connecting to a foreign country's VPN suggests Jaffe, the surveillance operation extended beyond the executive office of the president of the United States. Folks, you picking up what I've been putting down for the last few days and Margot Cleveland's putting down right here. The media wants you to believe that the alleged spying by the Clinton campaign on the web and internet activity of the Trump residents at Central Park West, Trump Tower and the Trump White House, they want you to believe that's the end. That's not the end. Just read the filing. And the fact that he writes in the filing, as Margot Cleveland correctly points out here, that they were there's allegations they were spying on the Office of Inspector General, too. Why? We don't know yet. Is hugely damaging. What else were they looking at? Very simply stated, 
What other information, if this is true, was this tech executive who had this contract with the government giving to the Clinton campaign? And by the way, the media, the American Pravda, they're doing their best job to cover up for the Democrats. I get I'm going to get into some of it in a second, showing you how panicked they are. Folks, don't buy any of it. There is no excuse for this. Even if the contract with the government to monitor the White House, the DNS data and to transfer, you know, to use a have a DNS server was legal, which it appears to be. That's like suggesting you have a legal contract to, uh, you know, produce uh, the Dan Bongino show. And I find out later that Guy is taking all my data and selling it to a competitor. Just because I had a legal contract with Guy to produce the show doesn't mean he could take the data and give it to the Clinton campaign. That, do you get the Do you see how stupid the media thinks you are? Well, the contract to do the to monitor the web data from the White House was a legal one. Yeah, no, no hit Sherlock with an S in front of it. We get that, you dopes. That's not the point. The point is that they exploit the contract to take the data to give it to the Clinton campaign. Do we need to do this? What if the other side thing? Are you this dumb if you're a liberal? Can you imagine getting a government contract? To assist the Biden White House in keeping track and, 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 and keeping its White House data on its computer secure and then taking the data and giving it to the Russians and going, no, Joe, no problem. No, Joe, yeah. stop the nonsense, buddy. You're getting out ahead of yourself. Oh, man. The contract was legal. The fact that we gave it to the Russians doesn't matter. We had a legal contract. You'd be like, what do you think? I'm a moron. <laughs> this is what the left thinks you are. They think you're an idiot. Here, let me show you what I mean. Here's the media doing their best job to cover up this massive scandal. But first, um, I want to play this uh, super cut of the media coverage yesterday, the scandal. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I didn't tell. It's a joke. There is no super cut. There was no. Poor Gee. This poor guy. I shouldn't have done that to you. That's all right. You know, Gee, he's a perfectionist. I do, Joe. And I'm a, he's like this. I see him take his headphones off. What are you talking about? Well, you got uh, me too. Play the super cut, yeah, of the media. Yeah, I know. Joe's like, I didn't cut that. What are you talking about? Uh, did we miss? And after yesterday where we missed something, which was my fault, by the way, I sent, I sent the wrong email. I sent my show prep email to my doctor because she had the same, uh, same, the S. She's like, why are you sending me this? I'm like, hey, doc, I'm so sorry. That was meant for my show prep. Number. She was laughing. She's like, oh, good. Can I be part of the show? Hilarious. There is no supercut of media coverage yesterday, the scandal. Um, I think CNN covered it for two minutes and the other networks just avoided it almost entirely. Um, so, <laughs> poor guy, I won't do that to you again uh, until tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, but no, here is, uh, here is some of the media coverage of what happened. I want you to pay very close attention to the language. Folks, there are a couple of people. Um, I want you to monitor what they're doing and take a look at what their postings are and their articles are about. It's important. Charlie Savage, uh, Adam Goldman, Natasha Bertrand, Philip Bump at the Washington Post, David Sirota. When, whenever there's a real scandal that needs to be covered up, the Democrats know they don't even have to say anything. They know with a wink and a nod that they can go to their activists embedded in the media. These, these people are some of the worst. They know they'll run cover for them. So I watch what they write. So it started yesterday. Again, this court filing about the spying operation is just uh, an enormous scandal, but not according to Charlie Savage from the New York Times. He puts a headline, court filing started a furor in right-wing outlets. Gee, I wonder why that would be maybe the biggest spying scandal in modern American history and politics. He says, but their narrative is off track. It is? Let's see what he writes here. He says, the latest alarmist claims about spying on Trump appear to be flawed. But the explanation is Byzantine, underlining the challenge for journalists and deciding what merits, what merits coverage. This guy, Charlie Savage, is a humiliating embarrassment to humankind. You can always tell they, that there is a real leftist scandal brewing by the eagerness of Charlie Savage to do his Soviet Pravda operation. He writes, quote, after Russians hacked networks for the White House and Democrats in 2015 and 2016, it went on. The cybersecurity researchers were deeply concerned to find data suggesting Russian-made Yoda phones were in proximity to Trump campaign in the White House. So prepare to report of their findings 
which was subsequently shared with the CIA. Folks, that is not what Durham is alleging. This guy, Charlie Savage, he's not dumb. He thinks you're dumb like the New York Times. 90% of the New York Times paid audience are morons. Because they were monitoring phone traffic around the White House, notice how he leaves out that they were also doing it, at least in this paragraph here, because he's being very delicate how he presents this. Notice how he leaves out that there was also monitoring going on of the DNS traffic around Trump Tower and the Trump residence. Kind of weird how that's not in there. Also, the fact that there was counter surveillance going on around the White House is nothing new. But it goes back to my first point. Sharing the data with the CIA via a lawyer working for the Clinton campaign who's trying to paint a story, according to the allegations, of Trump's ties to Russia, not surveillance around the White House. He leaves all of those key points out. Do you see how disgusting and humiliating this complete clown is? He's making you believe that an ongoing effort in the United States, which is a good one, to keep track of Russia, China, all of these entities spying on the White House, which is going on all the time. He's not wrong. He's trying to make you believe that's what this was. That has nothing to do at all with this. The Yoda phones controversy is only part of it because it was clearly a pretext or a reason for them to go, hey, Russians are spying around the White House. Joe, you get what I'm saying? We get a nod. Yeah. Okay. Um, we think Trump colluded with the Russians. Let's say that Russian spying is the reason we're spying on the Trump server. This guy thinks you're an idiot. Because let me move on from this guy. Is he you really? You think he's dumb? He thinks you're a moron. Saying Russian spy in the United States is not a reason to then go give information about the Trump White House's web activity to Hillary Clinton. You I, Really, Charlie, I know you're not stupid. You think we're stupid. There's another one, Philip Bump, who, again, is a humiliating mess of a human being. Trump was spied on. We have the name of the two spies. We have the name. We know his team was unmasked or spied on. We now know if the allegations in the document are true, that privileged data about their web traffic was also given to the Hillary Clinton campaign to spy on Trump. I can't believe people still read these idiots. Here's Philip Bump, another just total clown at the Washington Post. Why Trump is one again, once again claiming he was spied on in 2016. He's not claiming he was spied on. He says it's useful to note that Durham's claim about data being exploited emerged early. Both Wheeler and Graham elevated questions about the ethics of digging through collected DNS records to investigate something that was probably outside of any agreement governing what the data was being collected for. Gee, you think? But that doesn't mean, folks, that any laws were violated or, two, that that constitutes hacking. If I give you the key to my house and you use it to commitment and read my diary, I will certainly be angry with you, but it's not like you committed burglary. Holy Moses, is this guy a dipwad? So just to be clear, what he's saying here is because this tech company had a contract with the White House, the fact that they exploited that relationship to give White House Trump Tower web data to the Clinton campaign, don't worry. It's like someone coming in your house and reading your diary. And then giving the diary to Hillary Clinton. Ooh. You know, Joe, I'm sitting here. I'm saying to myself, because Philip Bump, I actually believe, is very dumb. I'm Because yeah. I clearly, like, if he was actually a smart, savvy journalist, he'd say to himself, maybe the diary analogy isn't a good one. But he's not smart. He's Philip Bump, who I really, I'm not kidding. I think he's a genuinely not intelligent human being based on some of his prior writings. Maybe the diary analogy isn't a good one, folks. Because, you know, it's kind of interesting. If you don't think that reading someone's diary while being invited into their house and then going into their room, sneaking in and reading their diary is that big of a deal. Um, apparently, the FBI feels a little different. 
Uh, remember this story? Oh, look, it's Adam Goldman back again. November 2021, FBI searches James O'Keefe's home in Ashley Biden diary theft inquiry. You'd think Philip Bump would know about that story, but nah, Philip's really not that bright, folks. Yeah, Philip isn't, isn't that smart. Adam Goldman, there he is again. So just to be clear, Philip Bump is suggesting or implying here that if you have a contract with the White House to maintain their servers, that if you give the information to the White House's political opponents, it's the equivalent of reading a diary, just not the equivalent of reading Ashley Biden's diary, because that's worthy of an FBI investigation to make sure you put James O'Keefe in jail because of it. Good job, Philip. Well done, buddy. See, if you were smart, you would have seen two steps ahead. But Bump, I don't believe is that bright. I, really, I believe he's legitimately a moron. I read his stuff, and he knows very little about the case. And he's the, he's the head Washington Post Soviet. All right, let me move on here. I want to get to a quick story, and then I want to get to the uh, left's focus on the truckers and uh, obviously what happened in Canada, which is just uh, devastating. Canada's now gone uh, full fascist, folks. And they're, they're open, they're proud of it. I mean, they're not hiding it anymore. It's a deeply, disturb- a deeply troubling story. I'm going to give you some action items, too. You got to fight back. Talk is cheap. Action matters. If you're looking for a firearm that's easy to transport, you got to check out the U.S. Survival Rifle from Henry Repeating Arms. It's a portable rifle you can put together and take apart in a few minutes. And then when you're not using it, you can store the parts in the little case it comes in. It's so small, it can be stored anywhere, in a go bag, anywhere. It's light enough to carry everywhere. comes in black and two different camo patterns. You can pick one up for three to $400, depending on the finish. You can watch a few videos at henryusa.com survival. And while you're there, be sure to order their free catalog. Henry makes more than 200 rifles, shotguns, and revolvers in the role made in America, backed by a lifetime satisfaction guarantee and the best customer service in the business. Go to their website. It's henryusa.com and be sure to order a free catalog. They'll send it with free decals on a list of dealers in your area. That's henryusa.com for a free catalog and decals and to see the Henry U.S. Survival Rifle. Okay, just one quick story before I move on. So yesterday was, uh, you know, Valentine's Day. We had a rough day. We had a... Uh something happened to a family member she's uh in uh in in some rough shape so but thank you for all your prayers there but i pick up my daughter from school with my wife and it was valentine's day and my daughter is uh yeah my, my daughter's young you know she's in fourth grade so they uh they give out each other valentines and, I'm, and she's like daddy uh read my read my valentine so <laughs> reading about the gel you gotta hear the valentines they're so cute Dear Amelia, you are nice. Dear Amelia, you are a fast runner. <laughs> Dear Amelia, you are such a good reader. So I said to Paula, we got to live our lives over again. Are we going to go out on a first date again? I would say that to you. That would be my uh, pickup line to you. Dear Paula, what a gifted reader you are. You're a really fast runner, Paula. Just watching kids go back and forth. They're so cute. They have such pure minds, you know? And then we become adults and we all become, uh, you know, we all get jaded. But it was just so cute to read Valentine's Day. So happy Valentine's Day out there yesterday to all of you. Uh, and uh, I'll keep you updated on the family member. Thank you for everything and that and all your prayers. It matters. Okay, moving on. Folks, the left has figured out that a war on the banking and financial uh, arteries and veins of the country is the next step. Their boycott campaigns. Let me just give you a little history here about what's going on. The left's boycott campaigns against conservative media have failed. I just, I mean, they, they totally and completely face-planted. They've tried Breitbart. They've tried taking Fox off the air. They've tried taking me off the air. They've tried taking every, I mean, it goes back to the, the Alex Jones boycotts, okay? They have tried endlessly to boycott, and their successful examples, ladies and gentlemen, are just zero. Nobody's gone. Everybody's there. I bring up all these names to show you where it starts and how you get this dangerous oh you know don't worry it's just this guy's just and then it goes to everyone they have failed they failed we're not going anywhere we have never been had more interest or had a more profitable enterprise than we do now and a lot of the people i talk to have the exact same feeling they've failed so the left understanding that their boycotts are hilarious failures and that they've completely blown it has now figured out that if we can't pull them down and the boycotts are an embarrassing mess then maybe we can cut them off from the financial bloodlines. And if we can take them out of the digital economy and get them debanked and get banks to kick you out, 
then they're going to be in real trouble. If they can't spend money, they can't exist. You have to understand, we are dealing with tyrants. Don't ever forget my golden rule. The left does not care about your ideas. They don't think you're people with bad ideas. They think you're bad people with ideas. These people are tyrants, and the country now, Canada's leadership has now gone full fascist, and they're not hiding it. But as Mike Cernovich pointed out in his social media account, uh, I think yesterday, he made a great point. The problem with Canada going full fascist yesterday, and I'll show you the video in a second. I didn't forget. The problem with Canada and uh, Trudeau going full fascist is they acted too soon. They don't have full control of the technology to isolate you from the financial system and the financial bloodlines of the new globe yet. And they acted too soon. If they just could have waited a few years before they did what Trudeau did yesterday, they probably would have been more successful at making us all starve to death, which is what they want. But they acted too soon. The parallel economy is already flourishing. It was a great point by Cernovich. He said the fascists showed their faces too soon. They do not have full technological control yet, and they could not help themselves. Here's what I mean. Canada declared war on its citizens yesterday. Here is Justin Trudeau, uh, just gone full fascist yesterday, prime minister of Canada, declaring phantom emergency powers. Now, there's an emergency power thing. It has nothing to do with what's going on with the trucker company. He had no reason to do this at all. Check this out. The federal government has invoked the Emergencies Act to supplement provincial and territorial capacity to address the blockades and occupations. So he declared the emergency powers yesterday? There's some kind of existential threat to Canada? Is there some kind of nuclear war we missed? Is there a level four pandemic with a 90% fatality rate killing off 50 to 60% of Canadians? Did we miss something? Is there an invasion? Has the United States invaded Canada on their northern border? Did I miss something? Is there an invasion from Alaska? Angry Alaskans like, hey, let's invade Canada, board in the weekend. What happened? What happened in Canada? Was there an EMP attack? Um, what happened in Canada is you had a bunch of freedom-concerned truckers who engaged in a peaceful protest, which we thought was a God-given right, even in Canada, where the fascists are in charge right now. We thought that. But no, you thought wrong. Here's the deputy prime minister of Canada. Notice what she starts talking about and pay very close attention. To, she, to her talking about what exactly they're going to do. I told you, the left is moving on from boycotts. They're moving on now to cutting you off, surgically detaching you from the financial bloodlines of the civilized world to make sure that you are starved out. Here, listen to her, just tell you right here. We are announcing the following immediate actions. First, we are broadening the scope of Canada's anti-money laundering and terrorist financing rules so that they cover crowdfunding platforms and the payment service providers they use. These changes cover all forms of transactions, including digital assets, such as cryptocurrencies. Do you hear it? Folks, I, 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 you know, you're not wasting your time here. I promise I will never waste your time. You matter to me more than anything. You're the most loyal audience in this business. I can prove it. You got the numbers. You've made everything we do a success because of you. I'm not wasting your time. I've been warning you now for seven years since the show started. That the, Go back and listen to my original shows on SoundCloud. Joe and I, episode like one to 100. We were warning about the financial bloodlines back then. That if you don't have access to banking, this is not the agricultural cash-based barter economy of 150 years ago in the United States. It's not. It is a digital economy that requires phones, credit cards, and digital transactions. If they cut you off from that, they can starve you to death. And I mean that figuratively and literally. They can starve you of your ability to support politicians. They can starve you the ability to donate to causes. They can starve you with the ability to even get paid. Where are you going to get paid? In cash? They can starve you out. Do you understand the danger of what's happening right now? And they know this. So what's the first thing when Canada went fascist yesterday? The first thing she talks about, the deputy prime minister and her communist boss, Trudeau? We're going to cut you off from crowdsourcing, cryptocurrency, any way to access the digital economy. But don't worry. 
their minister of justice, Joe, no worries here. The minister of justice says, these are just temporary measures. It's kind of like 15 days to slow the peaceful protests. Here, check this out. I want to emphasize one point clearly. These measures are temporary. We intend to impose them for only as long as needed to restore order across the country. Thank you. Merci. Don't worry, folks. It's just 15 days to destroy your civil liberties. It's just like 15 days to slow the spread. 15 <laughs> days to slow liberty and freedom. No worries, Joe. It's only a temporary measure. So as long as they, they steal your money, confiscate your assets, and shut you off for just temporarily, when they take all your money, then they'll say, oh, you can have your bank back. Yeah, but you took my money. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Bank's all yours now. Freedom. Freedom, baby. On the other side of this, I'm going to read a quick uh, spot here. But on the other side of this, I'm going to explain to you what you can do. And, and, and please, when I explain to you what you can do, I'm not suggesting these are absolute answers. In other words, that it's going to solve the problem permanently and forever. I'm telling you, this is like a football game. The left is going to try to get 10 yards, and then we're going to try to get 10 yards back. There's no absolutes here. The left isn't going to get an absolute victory, and we're not. Any, this is all about the fight. Life's about a fight. I'm sorry. There's no easy answers. I'll give you that coming up in a second. The solution to this, ladies and gentlemen, well, I shouldn't say that. Not the solution. There's no solutions to problems. There's only fighting on the margin. Because sometimes I'll get emails. Dan, that's only going to work. And then they're going to do this. And I know they're going to do that. And then we'll find another response. I get it. The solution to this war on the financial system in Canada, which has just declared war on freedom in its own citizens, which claims it's going to take your crypto and anything you sent to give, send, go, whatever it may be. Folks, you have to get into the parallel economy and get away now. Step one, if your bank, if you're not absolutely convinced that your bank believes in civil liberties and the freedom to, to bank free of political discrimination, get your money out immediately. My suggestion to you, if you're in Canada, is get your money out of the Canadian banks and start to distribute the money in smaller amounts amongst multiple banks. I would not keep my money in any one spot. Second, get out of the traditional uh, censorship-based economy. Go to Parallel. If you are processing your credit cards on your website, we have a site, ParallelEconomy.com. I get it, folks. It's my, I, I, I can't, I, I, I put my money where my mouth is. It's hard for me to, you know, say, hey, do this without offering you an alternative. If you're processing using Stripe or anything else on your website, come to us, ParallelEconomy.com. We actually deal with banks that don't politically discriminate. ParallelEconomy.com. You can go there right now. Stop using Stripe and these other companies. They're coming for you next. And also, if you're putting together an event using Eventbrite or you're using a charity site like Give, Send, Go or elsewhere, the new thing is going to be hacking. They have hack gives. Uh, they they tried to have what hack and they they dox give send go. Um, Eventbrite, Eventbrite. There was this, there's a story this weekend about how liberals now, if you're organizing a conservative event, just spam the event requests for tickets. You got to stay on top of that from the start. We got to think of new ways to do it. I'm also working on some alternatives there as well to give you some security. It's not easy, but we're doing it. I'm committed to this. It's. Uh, you know, I don't know how long I got left on this rock we call planet Earth, but I'm not going to go away without giving you alternatives. But I would make sure my money was in a bank that respected free speech. And if it isn't, I'd make sure I disperse it amongst multiple accounts in different banks. I'm dead serious. You don't want to find yourself without a bank. Check us out. We'll give you a hand there. We actually deal with banks that don't politically discriminate, which is kind of a new thing now. Okay, <clears throat> moving on here. Uh, showing you again how we have to escape the social media financial system bloodlines of the new leftist totalitarian censorship-based economy. Remember when the Hunter Biden story broke? The Hunter Biden laptop, all the emails, passing money to the big guy, uh, uh, Hunter claiming he was dealing with the China, China, China spy chief, excuse me, remember that? And then they said uh, Twitter banned the story and banned the New York Post account before the election. Twitter effectively interfered in and tried to rig the 2020 election. Twitter, yes, Twitter did that. Twitter is a tyrannical, disgusting, grotesque company. 
They said, well, we banned the Hunter Biden story because it may have had hacked information in it. Well, the reason I included this story afterwards is because Give, Send, Go was hacked and someone alleges they put out the donor list or hacked into it and put it out on Twitter, which is really strange because Twitter told us that they don't put hacked material out there on their platform, but they didn't do much, at least up until this point, about the hacked Freedom Convoy donor list. You can read the story yourself. Daily Caller. Twitter declines to censor tweets reportedly linked to the hacked Freedom Convoy donor list. Uh, uh, Eileen Evans. So you can hack away as long as it's a freedom-loving site full of conservatives trying to support peaceful assembly. Hack away. Put it away. Put it on Twitter. But if it's before an election and it's a Democrat candidate's for office's son um, alleged to be dealing in some foreign corruption and putting out sex tapes, that'll be banned immediately. Can't wait for True Social to come out. We got to get away from this, this disastrous platform, too. I post my content on Parler. Team uses Twitter. Been honest about that. But uh, the place is disgusting. Um, it's a filthy uh, s-hole. You know what I mean? Showing you also how the media is obsessed with suppressing this story. of a, This is why, folks, this story is so damaging to them for a number of reasons. I described yesterday the political narratives portion. I'm not going to go into that again, why it's so damaging to Biden. But another reason, this freedom convoy of truckers in Canada and coming here. Listen to yesterday's show if you want to see what I mean. The reason the story is also embarrassing for them, and they will do anything to stop it, is what the left doesn't want. Think about this, fellas. What the left does not want is they don't want America to see that when they assemble riots, terrorism, burnings, arson, killings, violence, they don't want you to see that the BLM and Antifa riots and terror attacks, that's what happens when Democrat-supported groups assemble. Yet when Republican-supported groups assemble, you have these truckers, you have no buildings burning, you have no one being attacked, they don't want you to see the foil, right? Hey, a diamond right. on a black background looks a little brighter. They are desperate to make this thing go away because it makes conservative freedom-loving causes seem reasonable while making the left look even more violent. They need this to go away. Now, Axios, which is a communist propaganda outlet too, had to do its job yesterday. Ashley Gold, like any good commie, had to write this piece to suggest that, hey, this Freedom Convoy, which has just grasped the attention of freedom-loving patriots around the world. No, it's all fake, folks. It's all fake. And matter of fact, it's so fake, we should probably shut down people reporting about it. I don't get it, Ashley. If the story's fake, why are you so concerned? So here's uh, Ashley Gold, uh, like a good propagandist, like a good little propagandist here. She writes this article at Axios. U.S. accounts drive Canadian convoy protest chatter. Really? It was just us doing it? No one's concerned about it except for us? They say they go to this Karen Cornblow, who uh, sounds like a complete disaster. She says they can flood the zone, making something news and distorting what appears to be popular. <laughs> Joe, I made it up. Uh -huh. We made The convoy. None of you care about the convoy with the exception of me. What do you mean you, Dan? No, my name's in it right there. Yeah. Says the three pages receiving the most interactions on convoy protest posts Ben Shapiro, Newsmax, and Breitbart are American, Cornblow said. Other pages with the most action on convoy-related posts include Fox News, Dan Bongino, and Franklin Graham. So just to be clear, I put up posts on Facebook and Parler and elsewhere. Some get a lot of attention. Some don't get a lot of attention. So just to be clear, the ones that get a lot of attention on the convoy are me making you care about a post you clicked on or shared? How did I do that? How did I do that? Was I sitting there over your head, like threatening you? Hey, Joey Bag of Donuts, you better share that post or I'm going to tell you to share it again. I mean, do you believe the asinine nature of these fake news specialists? You see what they're doing, right? <laughs> It'd be a real shame, Facebook, if you took down Dan Bongino and Ben Shapiro, because when they post about the convoy, people actually care about it. Be a real shame if you made that go away. Journalists. I, it, journalists. Here, you want to see another example of just stellar journalism? Here's a CNN cut. Listen to this dunce on the ground 
Yeah, yeah, we don't know what they're probably, despite the fact that all you have to do is ask them. It's like freedom or something like that, whatever that means. Here, Jay, listen to him say, listen to him say it. You have protests, border protests uh, across Canada as well, several other locations across Canada, much smaller border crossings than this one, and, and not don't, they don't pack nearly the economic punch as the, as the closing of the border crossing here, but other protests in Canada still going on, and obviously in Ottawa as well, where protesters have taken over Parliament Hill there. Uh, and refusing to leave, and maybe some will leave, and then they don't. So there's there's a lot of fighting going on among the protesters themselves. Uh, this started off as an anti-vaccine protest, and it was anti-mandate. Now it's sort of generically anti-government, all wrapped in this sort of notion or the guise of freedom. You know, whatever that means to these individuals, uh, basically they want exactly what they want, which is all those restrictions gone. Uh, so that uh, because they believe that they're they're just they're, they're just not necessary to the public at large. You see how these morons work? Yeah, they have interviewed probably hundreds of truckers who have been very specific that they're not anti-vaccine. They actually interviewed them that they're anti-mandate. But notice how it doesn't matter what you say. These complete clowns in the media will lie about what you say no matter what. They're there against the mandates. They're not there against the vac- anti-vaccines. They're anti-vaccines. Who's it? They're just making that up because they are so afraid that the violent terror attacks they embraced with BLM and Antifa, these pro-fascist, pro-communist groups that when compared to the peaceful, freedom-loving protesters on this side, it makes them look like the violent tyrants they are, and they're terrified. So they've got to lie about it. They don't have any other way out of this. Flesh. Which says to me, by the way, again, we are winning. And that's why Axios is winking and nodding. Karen Kornbluh said, people care about the convoy. And Dan Bongino's making them care like you're a bunch of dopey lemmings. Yes, I'm making you do something. Yeah, sure. I have that power. Idiots. All right, let me get to this. I want to talk to you about uh, how the CDC lies. It's important. And I definitely want to get to this video in New Zealand to show you we're winning. It's happening. You know, I didn't think I'd have a lot of stuff because of what happened. But today's show has turned out to be kind of loaded. Showing you again how the media lies. I'm going to put this story in the, uh, in the newsletter. I hope you check it out. It's just quick, and I'm going to move on to a couple other things fast. But not just, it's, of course, they lie. I mean, they lie about Spygate. They lie about the truckers. You're sensing a theme here. But I always like to point the reasons they lie out. The reasons they're lying about the Spygate thing is because they want to be able to spy on future political opponents, the media and the left. They're the same thing. So they want to make sure the edge is taken off it. The reason they lie about the trucker rallies is because they don't want the foil. They don't want a peaceful rally that could damage Joe Biden, a working class rally uh, highlighted against an elite snob rally full of BLM communists and Antifa terrorists burning down cities. They don't want it. The reason they lie about what's going on with coronavirus is because there's only two acceptable narratives out there with coronavirus on the left. Both of them involve the government telling you what to do. Mandates, both mask and vaccines. The only two things the left will allow you to talk about. If you don't, if you're not pro-mandate, pro-mask, pro-vaccine, mask-vaccine mandates, then you're to be considered a heretic. So the CDC has forfeited all their credibility. And because all, basically every level of government's been swampified and destroyed, the CDC's abandoned science. And uh, Vina Prasad has a piece in Tablet you really should read. They talk about, this is, you want to see like how they do, this is just so hilariously amateur hour, how the CDC tries to defend the failed science of universal masking. Failed. Failed. He points out this CDC study in November of 2020, which Joe sought to prove mask mandates slowed the spread of coronavirus. Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, let's see that. Let's see that data. The study found that counties in Kansas, which implemented mask mandates, saw COVID case rates start to fall. That's the light blue line in the piece. While counties that did not saw rates continue to climb. That's the dark blue. Oh, all right. Okay, there's a chart there. Wow, that sounds pretty convincing. You didn't put a mask mandate in. Cases were climbing. You did put a mask mandate in, and uh, cases are going down. Very convincing data. I'm, I'm sold, folks. Masks work. My yeah. apologies. Uh, yeah, not so much. When you actually look at the data, like <laughs> Mr. Prasad did here, and another data scientist, Yu Yang Gu, immediately noted that the locales with the more rapid rise of cases 
of course, would be more likely to implement a mandate and thus would expect cases to fall more in such locations, independent of masking as people behave, people's behavior changes when the risk escalates. So Gu zoomed in on the same data I just showed you and considered a longer horizon. And the results were enlightening. It appeared as if all counties did the same, whether they masked or not. Look at this data. So there's what the CDC showed you. If you want to look, you can watch on my Rumble account, rumble.com slash Bungino, because the CDC is full right now, sadly, at the management level, not everyone, but at the management level, full of liars and propagandists and Soviets. So that's what they showed you. Wow, look at that. Cases declining. They had masks. And then you go on to look and you see that the mask mandate or no mask mandate, that they actually rose at pretty much the same rate right after you get away from the limited set of data they showed you, showing you again that they are lying. Why? Not because they love masks. No, of course they love masks and left. No, they don't. They love mandates. The government needs to tell you what to do. They need you scared all the time because they want you softened up for the tyranny ahead. The only reason Canada did what they did is they want you to start to embrace the tyranny of being able to steal and confiscate people's money from a bank account. Sounds kind of like the uh, Soviet socialist system, doesn't it? That all property is the ward of the state. Kind of sounds like that, right? Because it is. Yes, sir. Yes, sirree. Which brings me to my next piece and then some good news. You really need to read this. This is by a guy, John Whitehead. Uh, John and Anisha Whitehead. From February of 2022. It's going to be in my newsletter today. Please read it. It's a long article. I'm just going to read you one piece of it, though. The headline is really hits home. Dystopia disguises democracy. All the ways in which freedom is an illusion. They say, we think we have freedom of speech, but we're only as free to speak as the government and its corporate partners allow. We think we have the right to freely exercise our religious beliefs. But those rights are quickly overruled if and when they conflict with the government's priorities, whether it's COVID-19 mandates or societal values about gender equality, sex, and marriage. We think we have the freedom to go where we want, move about freely. But at every turn, we're hemmed in by laws, fines, and penalties that regulate and restrict our autonomy and surveillance cameras that monitor our movements. Punitive programs strip citizens of their passports and right to travel over unpaid taxes. They're right, folks. We have to start asking ourselves, are we really free? The answer quite clearly at this point is no. So I've suggested some action items to you already. One is to resist. Resist any encroachment on their individual freedom. Resistance is key. Resistance is key. It gives, it's going to give your life meaning. People try to steal your freedom and your God-given rights or those of others. You should defend those freedoms and the rights of others. God-given rights matter. They've always mattered. And the defense of those God-given rights will give you an identity and a reason for living that'll last for last forever. You don't want to die on your knees, do you? Second, respond. Get your money out of these financial systems. Get your support for a lot of these uh, social media companies. Get them away from there and start going on alternative platforms. Third, also, you need to start reconsidering candidates who understand this fight ahead. A lot of them talk in cute, flowery talking points. But what are you willing to do? Are you willing to defund these agencies that do that? Are you willing to house clean completely the upper-level management, the FBI, and these bureaucracies that keep doing this stuff? If you're not, you're not our guy. But folks, the resistance part is key. See, that's the thing. I have a beach ball theory here that I brought up often, and I don't want you to ever forget it. The thing about tyrants and people who want to steal people's money, freedom, liberty, their ability to speak, assemble, practice their religion, the thing about that is it's always unpopular. Freedom's a glorious, beautiful thing. I celebrate it and I love it. And I know you love it too. Humans are born with a yearning to be free. You can only keep the freedom beach ball underwater so long. It takes far more energy to suppress freedom, to overcome the natural vibrant energy it takes for people to want to remain free it never works over time yeah people have had successes for decades but over time you're going to see eventually some resistance emerge to this you're seeing it now happen in the united states first piece of good news i want to leave you with today biden's approval rating folks the man is underwater everywhere look at this chart everywhere 
Alabama, Alaska, Arizona, Arkansas, California, everywhere. The only states this guy has a approval higher than his disapproval are Hawaii, Maryland, Massachusetts, and Vermont. The entire country, the man is underwater, which says to me that the entrepreneurial, freedom-loving people here have had enough of this bullshit. You get the point. And they are done with the clownery. You look at the approval ratings of the media, they're even worse. Again, they're done with the clownery. That's the good news. The resistance has begun. But it's spreading around the world, I think, as people are inspired by the strength and courage of the Freedom Convoy and others. Here's a quick video from New Zealand where apparently their police commissioner, one of them over there, wanted these tow companies to start towing these Freedom Convoy vehicles away. Well, it didn't work out as planned there. Check this out. At this stage, his ultimatum of towing those cars seems like a bit of a joke. He got up there and said, we will tow your cars, confiscate them even, arrest anyone that gets in police's way. And he's told these protesters their time is up, but he couldn't give any sort of hard deadline, possibly because in the very next breath, the police commissioner issued an appeal, a public plea for tow truck companies to come forward and help the police tow the cars away. He also admitted he'd called on the Defence Force to help him tow the cars away, but he never heard back from them. So what we have here is the Police Commissioner of New Zealand, our country's most senior police officer, publicly begging for someone to help him tow some cars. Police Commissioner there publicly begging for someone to help him tow the cars. Folks, the resistance is spreading. See, the thing about tyrannies is they get more entrenched, they become harder to defeat. I mean, look at Cuba and North Korea. It's persisted for a long time. Some of you may be saying, well, Dan, some people have held the beach ball underwater. Yeah, they have. They have. Soviets lasted for a long time, too. But I use that as an example of success, not of failure. Because what I'm trying to tell you is the longer they succeed at doing it, if you allow it, the harder it becomes to defeat. It's not impossible, but harder. The rebellion in the United States and the resistance is brewing now. And we're not nearly anywhere close to where Canada is or these other countries now. Fight back now. No more 15 days to slow the spread. How about 15 days to advance freedom and liberty? Folks, thanks for tuning in. Please subscribe to my Rumble account. We've added an astonishing 120,000 new subscribers to Rumble, which is amazing. In just about 10 days. We're at uh, 2,180,000 subscribers. So big double barrel to YouTube. Nice job, fellas. You passed all your people over to us. Rumble.com slash Bongino. Thanks for your support over there. I'll see you on the radio show later. You just heard Dan Bongino.